Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Old Baptist Weekly. We're so glad you came. We hope you came praying. Uh, we're privileged tonight to have Elder Joe Holder with us. How are you doing, Brother Joe? Doing well, thank you. Uh, remind us where you serve at, Brother Joe. I have, for almost 50 years, been pastor of Little Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Bellflower, California. It's a suburb of Los Angeles between the city of Los Angeles and the city of Long Beach. For almost 50 years, huh? Yep. That's a hey, that's a wonderful testament. Just a well, wonderful testament of it, service. It's a testimony to patient people. Uh, pa- patient people <laughs> and God's good grace. Yes, indeed. Amen to that. Uh well, we're we're praying for you, brother. We Thank uh you. hope there's something on your heart and uh God has given us the ears to hear it. And with that, I believe opening prayer we have Brother Mike Montgomery. If you'll bow with us, please. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee so much for this great and glorious privilege You've given unto us to meet for a little while, to study the Holy Word, to hear Thy Word preached, to hear the songs of Zion sung. Lord, how it thrills our hearts to learn more of Thee and to feel how You work and how You do and how forgiving and loving You are and what a, how awesome and august and great that thou art. We praise thee, Lord, for these things and for so many things that, uh, Lord, that you have done for us, both naturally and spiritually. We pray now for our dear friend and brother, Yokefellow, Brother Joe, grant him grace to say that which would be pleasing to thee and edifying to all of us, whether we hear live or recorded. Lord, bless him with liberty and bless him with a fertile mind to speak those things that comes straight from thy word and bless us in the discussion to follow that it be in decency and in order that it be edifying to those that listen and maybe lord uh, leave with that renewed sense of hope and faith that you have all things in thy hands and that we are in thy hands and we are safe we thank thee again for these things in jesus name we pray amen amen with that brother joe the floor is yours Thank you. I appreciate your prayers and ask that you continue praying. The the thoughts on my mind this evening deal with a tension point or two tension points that that appear in the New Testament. I love studying tension points in Scripture because when we resolve the tension points between passage A and passage B, B, idea A and idea B, there's always a blessing that that results in resolving those tension points. Respecting scripture as the inspired word of God as we do, when we see tension points or apparent contradictions or things that don't mesh smoothly together, we realize the problem is in us, not in scripture. So we look for a way to to resolve and harmonize the two. I wanna begin with one side of that tension point by reading from the book of Acts chapter eight. I'm for lack of, for, for the sake of time, I'll only read a portion of the larger narrative that occurred with Philip going to the, the eunuch and preaching to him. Acts eight verses 30 to 35. 
And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? And I love the next verse. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Let me, before we develop the points here, I want to give you a bit of a background, going all the way back to Acts chapter 1. The very last word Jesus spoke to the disciples before his ascension, recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both notice the locations and the sequence, if you will both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What Jesus described is an expanding, an ever-expanding spiral. It begins and anchors in Jerusalem and slowly works its way out, and it just goes unto the uttermost part of the earth in the end. The book of Acts records the beginning of this spiral and I will suggest, as we study the lesson tonight, that by the time we complete Acts chapter 8, it has gone into the beginning of that final stage of the spiral beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea, beyond Samaria, and it begins its trek through the uttermost part of the earth. In Acts 14, or 8.14, the apostles, well, Philip has, after the beginning of Acts chapter 8, there is a persecution in Jerusalem, and those in Jerusalem, with the exception of the apostles, are dispersed throughout Judea and Samaria. Philip, in that persecution, goes to Samaria. He preaches to Samaria, um, for those of us who have been on the, our Tuesday night OBW talk blog studying the book of Galatians, there's some interesting crossover here. He's preaching to Samaritans worse than Gentiles in the, in the mind of the Jewish believers in Jerusalem, or any Jew in Jerusalem for that matter. And interestingly, in chapter 8, verse 14, the apostles in Jerusalem hear about Philip's preaching and the Samaritans receiving the gospel, and they send Peter and John to check on Philip and to verify what's going on up there. Does that sound like James sending some people to Antioch and, and checking on Peter? 
in Galatians chapter 2. Seems like a pattern goes along here. Philip is in Samaria. He, that Samaria, if you look at a, a first century map of this area, is north of Jerusalem. Depending on where he is, I would say at a minimum, he's probably 35 miles or more north of Jerusalem. In verse 26, the spirit or an angel appears to him and directs him to go south toward Gaza. To do that, he must go south to Jerusalem and then in a southwestern direction toward the Gaza Peninsula or Gaza, or as it's pronounced today, Gaza. From any reasonable location in Samaria, he is at least 35 miles from Jerusalem. The distance all the way from Jerusalem to the city of Gaza is around a little over 60 miles. We don't know where on the road between Jerusalem and Gaza, Philip met the eunuch. So if you look at this mileage, somewhere between 75 and 100 miles, Philip must travel to fulfill the direction of the Lord. <laughs> he didn't get in an air-conditioned car and hit cruise control and end up there in two hours. He probably, almost certainly, had to walk. How long would it take a man to walk a hundred miles? A little time. And the fascinating thing, what did the Spirit have in mind by directing Philip to walk several days, 75 to a hundred miles? One man. Think about that. Folks, let me suggest when God's people treasure him and seek him and his truth, not their own ideas, God goes to great lengths to bless and reveal his blessings to them. He, he is amazing in caring for those who seek to know more. So that, that all works well. And I've read the beginning of Philip's conversation with the eunuch. He's reading a passage that from my earliest reading of the Bible, I believed and, and had a sense that Isaiah was writing prophetically of Jesus. 800 years before Jesus came, he writes about the sufferings and crucifixion of Christ like he's reading the newspaper the day after the crucifixion. It's detailed, it's specific. And yet the eunuch, after he is, has read Isaiah 53, is puzzled. Who is the subject of Isaiah's words and prophecy? It has to be important. But who's the, who's the person involved? Is it Isaiah or someone else? He doesn't have answers. He has questions. Now, the question of the day and the tension point. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
Paul writing to Timothy, one of his sons in the ministry. But this is chapter three, beginning with, with verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Probably in childhood, Timothy would have been reading the Old Testament. And then Paul makes a slight change in the description in verse 16. All scripture, not just holy Old Testament, but all scripture, old and new scripture, New Testament, is given. <clears throat> Many modern Christians like to revise this verse and say it was given by inspiration of God, but the, the, the purity has been lost. It was profitable, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Now you have to work out the details and figure it out in your own mind, which compromises and, and diminishes the integrity and authority of Scripture. Paul uses present tense verbs in this entire passage. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The, uh, the Reformed uh, groups of Christianity often cite a, a very appealing and, and correct, I believe, description of where they believe Christians should go for their source of authority. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. So, Philip is talking to a man who has been to Jerusalem and been instructed in the Old Testament Scriptures. The man on his way back to Ethiopia, probably modern-day Nubia, Nubia, he's reading Isaiah 53, for you and me, it seems like one of the clearest and simplest prophecies of Jesus a man could read. But this man is more confused than enlightened. He has questions that are stirring, and he knows they're important questions. Where's the answer? He's reading scripture, but he needs something he doesn't have. Is scripture enough? <laughs> What's the, what's the answer? How do we resolve this question between the eunuch and Paul's statement of Scripture is profitable for the man of God? Let's look at the biblical resolution in the New Testament model of biblical Christianity. A few verses from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. And he, Jesus, when he ascended, on high, he gave gifts unto men. And then verse 11 and reading down. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why these gifts? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come 
in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine but a slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The Lord has given spiritual gifts to and in the church to benefit, to edify, to grow healthy and better and stronger the Lord's body, his people. One of the most important principles in the New Testament that describes the church of the New Testament and a sadly neglected reality not taught or, or emphasized as it needs to be in today's Christian world. It's a community. Biblical Christianity is not a loosely bound assembly of individual isolated people all going their own direction for their own way and their own opinion. It is a community. And the more it comes together and functions, thinks, and acts as one body, the more it imitates the model of the church that Paul, by inspiration, gave us in this passage. It's a community of people, people who live together, work together, think together, pray together, talk together, and fellowship in Jesus together in this body. In 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul describes the church as the Lord's pillar and ground of the truth. Never in the New Testament does he ever describe any individual believer or preacher or pastor or even apostle as the pillar and ground of the truth. Only according to this inspired description, that function belongs to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a community blessed by him, if it is that church, to be a community that unites in its belief of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we resolve? Do we need these gifts or is scripture alone sufficient? What does the eunuch's experience tell us? He was reading scripture. His heart was longing for truth. He wanted to know what God was teaching him in this passage. The Lord sent a man walking for 75 miles or more to meet with him and teach him that truth. How do we resolve it? It's so simple. It is so, so simple. Whether it's the man in the pulpit or the people in the pew, when the church functions as it should, both 
the man in the pulpit and the people in the pew look to the same authority, scripture alone. And when the people in the pew are looking to scripture only, and the man in the pulpit is preaching scripture only, the questions the eunuch had will be answered biblically and edification and unity will occur. We need this truth, my friends, today, and we need it taught and encouraged. We need to encourage the Lord's people not to neglect or forget the vital role of spiritual gifts to give each of us that wonderful light. One final point. I have been trying to preach for over 66 years. I could have studied a whole lot more. I grant that confession, no, no denial. Who couldn't? However, when four men gather together and in a relaxed atmosphere, put their hearts and minds to study and to discuss scripture, I have not had one experience in that blog at the end of it when I did not go away instructed and edified by my time with those other three or four men. That's the way the Lord designed gaining insight and edification into his truth. And therein, no tension, the issue is resolved and praise God, we're the better for it. With that, I leave my thoughts in your kind hands. Wow. Amen. <laughs> Amen, Brother Joe. Amen, Brother Joe. My uh, goodness. <clears throat> bro, bro, brother Jerry, did we just hear another message on spiritual gifts? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. I we did. <laughs> we did. We did. We did. We did. Uh, so the the Golden Gate meeting. Hey, there's Brother Eugene. There he is. Uh, so the the Golden Gate meeting this weekend. We heard a couple of messages on spiritual gifts, um, but not so much the community the the community aspect of it specifically. Right. That's so important. You know, the one of my my thoughts this weekend was the parable of the talents, which is uh, one of one of my very f most favorite favorite parables. Favorite favorite. That's I'm coining that term there. Uh, <laughs> but it's you know what? Back up. Okay, so. The community aspect of what we have with the church, not just for study, but just for the simple fact that we have each other, is so incredibly paramount. Um, I got to talk with some of the, the boys, I mean like middle school age boys at singing school last week with uh, I was actually with Seth Howard it was me and Seth talking to these guys these poor guys they had to deal with us I'm so sorry about that boys <laughs> but one of the things we brought up is that um, if you need something from me just let me know and it's not it, it's it's something as simple as that 
that we're that I don't know if I can find a relationship outside of the church with that compares in any way to the relationships that I have within the church. It shouldn't. It, sh- it shouldn't, you know, right? But but what what makes it so what makes it so different is that they're relationships without agenda. You know, it's I don't I I don't do there's not a quid pro quo, there's not a you scratch my back. It's not a business relationship. It's just we're just there for each other. Amen. We're, we're just there for it. the world doesn't get it. Like uh, you know, especially other other religious organizations that run in a more business like fashion. It's uh, oh well. Here here's the pastor. Here's what the pa- the pastor can do A B C and D for you. You know, p- t- take your order. You, would you want pickles or onions? Like you know, <laughs> it's very much so. It's it's very much like a transaction sort of relationship. But it, at least the way that it should work within the church and the way that I, I have seen it work and then it does work with me is that I just love y'all. Amen. Like, it's as simple as that. Amen. I just, we're, we're talking about Philip and this eunuch. Well, of course he's going to travel that much because the brother needed it. You know, like, we're, we just, we just do we're just there for each other. We do things for each other. We help each other out. And if nothing else, we just enjoy each other's company. The world is not going to get that. And the more that I try to treat people outside of the church the way I treat people in the church, which is the goal, by the way. You know, we should be taking our behavior outside of the four walls of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I get exactly two reactions. Um, confusion and um, like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're either confused or they're very thankful for it. Mm. And um, that that's... See, y'all, see, this is why I don't like going first. I'm just so thankful for your message, Brother Joe, because yeah. it highlights something about the church, com- the, the relationships that we have in the church that we already do, and it affirms what we already do, and it affirms how we speak to each other and how we talk to each other and how we deal with each other, and it affirms that that way is the right way to be. Hmm. And that's so important. That's all I have. <laughs> it was just a wonderful message, Brother Joe. Thank you so much. Amen. Um, Brother Mike Hughes, go right ahead. Thank you, Brother Daniel. And Brother Joe, I have to just uh, chime in with Brother Daniel and, and the other brother, and this is wonderful. This is a, really enjoyed that. Lord blessed you and blessed us. And, and you touched on some areas that uh, are very special to me as well. And one of the things that you stress was that when the Lord's people seek him, that he abundantly blesses them Amen. and how we need that today. We need to mm-hmm. hear that every day. How, if we just seek the Lord, he is going to, uh, 
he's not going to hold it back. He's not going to wait. He'll, uh, he'll bless us. And uh, I do have one question. And uh, I'd like to know your thoughts on this, Brother Joe. But you, you went into the fourth chapter of Ephesians and that 13th verse, till we all come into unity of the faith. And the last portion of that, there is a, it sets a goal unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Could I'd like to hear your, your thoughts on that stature of the fullness in regard to some of the things that you brought to us tonight about, you know, the abundant grace that, that God bestows upon us as we seek him, the community. I love that. That's we need to be thinking about that and, and that we're, you know, we're all not just kind of independent and I think over the last year, you know, with some of the isolation, we, we may have gotten a little bit into that as a habit. I don't, I may be extreme on that, but anyway, uh, we're, we're not really, you know, independent. We're, we have to depend on one another in the Lord. Yeah. Sure. So, but I would like to, to, just hear your thoughts just on that brief portion of that last last part of that, that verse there. Gladly. We normally use the word stature to, to identify height. You know, how tall are you? How big is this personality? Obviously, we don't strive to become the same height and look physically like Jesus. We don't know what he looked like. Every depiction you see of him in a painting is an artist imagination. It's yeah. not a photograph yeah. of the man Jesus. Right. Several times lately, especially as I'm looking at some of the things Paul is teaching in Galatians, and he says it there, he says it in Romans 6, you're not under the law, but under grace. Mm. And, and when you tell people they're not under the law, the first thing they think is then you approve license, no moral code or, or restriction, whatever. And I've used this, this analogy that I, I, I think answers your question. I hope it does. God's moral code is timeless. It didn't begin in 1500 BC with Moses and the Ten Commandments. Cain, the second generation, a son of Adam and Eve, was held accountable by God for committing murder. So God's moral code, which is reflected in the Ten Commandments, existed from the beginning. So as a measure of life, write out and, and describe what you think those ten principles would describe as a lifestyle. It's not bad. It's wonderful. Absolutely. But as an alternative, go to Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and do the same thing. What kind of lifestyle do those three chapters depict? If we study the four Gospels and the life and the behavior and the compassion and the love and the grace of Jesus, what kind of lifestyle does that depict? That for me is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I long to be like him. Amen. Oh, and thank you, Brother Joe. That that is nail on the head. Thank Boy. you. 
think it's uh, my turn. Mm-hmm. So, uh, eighth chapter of the book of Acts, uh, the spirit, the angel, the Lord, uh, tells Philip to leave an entire city of which he had been apparently having some good liberty preaching. Because, Amazing. Yeah. yeah. There was great joy in that city. I don't know how many people live in Samaria, but uh, I, I don't think it was just a tiny hamlet. Uh, it, it's oh. called the city. Well, you, you'd, you'd think, you know, there'd be a lot of work to do, you know, uh, <laughs> churches, baptizing people, shepherding people. Um, work just done in Samaria, you know, and this is uh, part of that uh, thing the Lord told them that's going to happen. Yes, it is. Yeah. For reading prophecy fulfilled from the mouth of Jesus. Correct. Right. Why not keep fulfilling prophecy in Samaria? That's what we would think. But the Lord said, arise. Go, 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 go your way. Mm-hmm. Um, go to the south. Go to the south. Uh, goeth, goeth, you know, go to the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. So the Lord's saying, I want you to leave this large city where there's great joy. You've been having a great work to go to go 100 miles to the desert. <laughs> yep. To preach to one man. Amen. You can understand that, except the Lord knows exactly what he's doing because yes. the history read, you know, the oh, fruit yeah. from that time on the chariot. My. <laughs> when there were churches established by that eunuch from what I've heard and read. Yes. That lasted centuries. Yes. So who are we to say? But now I want to get personal because, you know, you you teased me in the beginning with this tension point and then you left me hanging. So now I know where you're at. So now now I'm going to get back at you, Brother Joe. I'm going to get back to you. I'm going to get personal. I want you to get personal with us because this this is your story, too. Yes, it is. Ah, you know what I'm talking about. Well, not quite, but keep going. Okay. <laughs> you were raised in Mississippi, correct? Yes, sir. All right. And you were baptized and ordained out, out that way. And yep. did you pastor? Did you ever pastor any churches out in Mississippi? Briefly. Briefly. So you were pastor. You were in the well watered place of Mississippi where there are primitive Baptist churches. You're your family was in the church. You had your fathers in the ministry. You you had a right future, a good time. And then arise, Joe. Go to the West. Yeah. To California, which is desert. <laughs> it especially was at that time. I know. 50 years ago, it was. And it wasn't good. There was it was there was some work being done, but there was factions and folks not getting along, and there yeah. was hard feelings. 
You talk about tension, buddy. You went from Mississippi where you had friends, family, to the fractured West in yeah. desert. What do you have to say about that? What do you think about that, Joe? What are your What is your take on that? Glad you asked. Okay. I made my first effort to speak in the church when I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. I was a freshman in high school. My parents ordered my first Bible mail order from Sears Roebuck. It was a small handheld zippered Cambridge KJV. Hmm. Mike, that's why I still favor the Cambridge footprint. I'm sure I had an, insatiable hunger for scripture. Every spare moment I could Mm -hmm. find, I spent it trying to learn everything I could about the scripture. For me, that is a key qualifier to to indicate if a man has a call to the ministry. And if a man says he's called and he's casual about the Bible, Mm. I question the call. I really do. Amen. I made that first effort the 1st of February. About March or early April, three months after that first effort, a 14-year-old boy, before he catches the bus to school on a weekday morning, is reading. He's been reading through the book of Romans, relishing chapter 8, chapter 9, just relishing it. He gets over later in the cha- in the book that morning, and Paul said, I went here to preach, and I went there to preach, not these other places, lest I build on other men's labor. Oh. My uncle, who was one of my fathers, truly from his heart, believed I would fill his shoes. Mm. I would build on his labors. Mm-hmm. The Lord, I I use an analogy. The Lord hit me by the side of the head with a two by four that morning. I knew when I read those verses that the Lord had something for me to do that would not be in Mississippi. I didn't know where, I didn't know when, and I didn't know how, but I knew my place would be somewhere else. To be honest, Dave, I was in California a couple of years or longer before it finally dawned on me, I'm where the Lord wants me to be. Wow. We started a church, lasted about 15 years or so, and that church merged with another church, and that's the church where I pastor to this day. 50 years on. Mm. So between the two churches, it's more like 65 years or 60. It's more like 60 years between those two churches. The minute we started meeting to, to form that church, my questions went away and my answers started coming. That's where the Lord wanted me to be. Does that answer your question? And then some. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Man, thank you so much. Sure. And thank you for, I almost want to say thank you for your service, but thank you for your service to the kingdom. Thank God you. Bless you. I, I, I can talk more, but I'll give way to our dear brother, Jerry. <clears throat> I would just love to sit here, Brother Joe, and listen to you share more personal experience over that that period of time. And, and we've actually talked about that to some degree with the OBW team, and perhaps that will 
materialize in the near future. The blessings that you've had um, in serving God and serving his people uh, serve as great lessons for us, my dear friend. And, and I've been blessed to know you many, many years. And um, you've taught me much. You've taught me much. And I thank God for it. Tonight again, um, I just love the manner in which you approached the the lesson, the message that was on your heart. Um, the eunuch, 75 miles, uh, Philip and the eunuch, 75 miles for one. Brother David, you brought up uh, another, uh, the Lord sent um, to, for one. I recall in John 4, the Lord himself must needs go through Samaria for mm-hmm. one, for one. For one woman. For one. Um, I... Sometimes I get the feeling that I'm guilty of um, shortening the arm of the Lord um, as it relates to his individual children. Sometimes yeah. we, I, we do. You're right. We all do. But tonight, what is such a wonderful reminder that, uh, especially I, I'd say from a minister's perspective, when you feel the, the burden of heart to go, just go. Don't don't look out and try to quantify. Your the the spirit will never lie to you. And if if the burden is truly upon your heart, then then go. Um, even if it's for just one, yeah. I, it's so it, it's it's that important. And and I really appreciate you elevating that in my mind tonight. Um, I love the message of the community of the church. I think in my lifetime, I saw probably the tail end of the, what I would call the community of the church for a few years. And then slowly, but surely I've seen it uh, diminish. Um, Sadly, um, people, we, we, you know, we're blessed. We're, we're, prosperous from natural standpoint. We, we have vehicles that can go a long way in a short time, and we find ourselves moving away from one another. Uh, in many instances, we, we certainly are acquainted with that in California. Um, and we don't have the dependence upon each other that I believe God intended, as you read in Ephesians 4, that every joint supplieth. Um, you know, certainly from a spiritual perspective, I think we still understand that, but it helps to behave that way all of the time with each other. It's not just a Sunday to Sunday activity. And I think that that really, (laughs) it really jumped out at, at me. I, 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 tr- I was turned to a bunch of places and I, man, I almost missed some of your message. My computer acted up again this week and I'm scrambling going to between the phone, my laptop, my iPad. And I finally landed on something that will, that's working. Thank God. Uh, but I looked at the statement that Paul made to the, the churches at Rome. He's for, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end. You may be established. And this, I love this. That is that I may be comforted together 
with you yes. by the mutual faith of both you and me. Amen. That is, that's what it's about, isn't it? <laughs> yes. That as we endeavor to preach, how many times has God comforted us together with the congregation, sometimes by the message, sometimes by the congregation, but it is a mutual thing. Yes, it is. And if, if it's not, then we're leaving something off. Yeah. We've complicated it in, in some way uh, because that's the way it's intended to be. You, you then move to spiritual gifts and, and Brother Daniel, amen, amen. Uh, I, I, another message on spiritual gifts, hallelujah, <laughs> especially when it is preached like it was this last weekend and, and like it was again uh, today, th- this evening. You know, in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul speaks of the interconnection of the body parts. <laughs> that, and, and what does he say? We are members one of another. One of another that that cries out for interdependence upon each other. Every joint has something that it needs to supply to the others in the body. It, it does. It, it absolutely does. And if we find ourselves in, engaged in any level of isolationism, we're in serious trouble. Yep. We're in serious, serious trouble. Uh, you know, I mean, I, my goodness, we could talk a long time about this, but Joe, I, I just, I appreciate you bringing up the, the blessing of, of having regular time together. You mentioned the four of us that have been looking at the book of Galatians and then in other sessions of OBW talks where we, all of us have, have interfaced with each other and, and just sat around the table, so to speak with one purpose and one purpose alone and that is to reason together with scripture alone and arrive at what the spirit intends no ego no it doesn't matter who said or just rejoicing at the truth of the bible amen it has been a fellowship for me that uh well i look back i have been i've been missing it without probably even knowing that I was missing it. I will not miss it again. Amen. Absolutely not. I love you, my dear brother and my dear friend, and the message that you preach tonight. And you too, my friend. Oh, precious. Brother Mike, Mike. Am I right? Is, <clears throat> is it 15 minutes or almost? I've got 15 minutes? Yes, you do. <laughs> you guys are... Suckers, you you try to speed it up, and you left me all this time. <clears throat> you know, Mike, I have to tell you, you I love teasing you. You know that. I, I like it. The first time you asked me to speak on OBW, you made a very serious point of reminding me, Joe, you preach 20 minutes, and then we have time to ask questions and talk to you. I was watching the clock. I'm, I maybe did 23, but I, I was close. <laughs> I oh, I think you purpose. did great. No, you kept it within. And all the other guys have done well, too. They've kept their remarks. They've reined themselves in. So much for that. It only... <laughs> 
the rules only apply to everybody else but me. You know, yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but seriously, <clears throat> I love your message. I thought on point. It's it was so good. Uh, and so needful and so necessary. I'm going to give it another listen, and I'm going to ask people to listen to it as well. Oh, the community of the church. Hmm. That is so neglected today, and it has it been. It, it didn't begin with COVID isolation. It was going on a long time before that. Yeah. It was. I have said in my own conviction, the industrial revolution in this country has been the church's greatest enemy. It broke I, down an isolated family yep. from each other Great. and the community. Wonderful insight. You know, I think all of us would agree that Suddenly something your happened to the, are your family, not your church people. Yeah. Right. And that's not that's not the priority scripture gives us. <clears throat> you know, how, how often I mean, I remember when I was a kid and Dave was a kid. It was a much more agrarian society even back then, <clears throat> certainly before the Internet and before air conditioning, <laughs> all those kind of nice niceties. But it just seemed like there was more uh, concern about the church uh, as a family. There were families that belonged to a given church, and those families interacted with one another. And it was, I hate to use the word because it's so overused, but it was organic. It was it was self-contained, uh, not isolated, but contained. And there was robust visitation among the churches. And I, I really, I think we've <clears throat> we've let ourselves get isolated from each other too much. People will say, "Well, this online stuff is just the very problem, Mike." You know, you guys are. And I think that's. If you're going to think that, then you you <laughs> you don't know what else is going on, on the internet. This is a healthy alternative, I think. Yeah, there's so much of the stuff that's out there that people find themselves watching. This is really good, and they get attracted that. to it, and they believe it more than they believe their church community and what yeah. they're out there. And you know what, we preachers, and this is a soapbox for me. It is a passion that hurts and breaks the heart of a pastor. You see people who years ago relished the gospel and rejoiced in it. Yeah. And they sit under it today. They still attend, but the joy is yeah. gone. Yeah. They're still hearing the same gospel, but they've lost the joy because they've compromised their focus. Yeah. And we are our own worst enemies, are we not, Joe? I mean, we yeah. are our own worst enemy. I can't, I can't lay the blame. I could, if I guess, I could lay it in lots of people's blame, but first and foremost, right here. And I can't really lay off, uh, throw off on the uh, generations of preachers before us, uh, because I, I don't think I would have done nearly as good as they did, given the circumstances, and it probably would have been worse. But man. Technology and industrial age, you're right. It's really done a number on us. And I, I guess we weren't paying attention. Maybe that's part of the problem. We just weren't paying attention like we should have. We let it slip away yeah. and didn't even think about it. Totally. Yeah, we let it slip away. We should have fought to keep the church vital in people's lives. Yeah. Right now, I, would I be wrong, Joe, to think that the church, 
what the it used to be more what the church thought of us. That was what was important. We used to we used to really be concerned about what does the church think about us. Remember in conference they even had what do they call it? Uh, acknowledgments. Acknowledgments. Yeah. When's the last time you heard that brought up in conference? <laughs> I'm not saying that was absolutely necessary. I remember we saw Falls Church acknowledgments was a big part of conference. Yeah, but it's not anymore. It's just not anymore. So the question is, how do we get it back? How do we get back in a in this spread out metropolitan world we live in, where everybody lives closer to the ch- to a church that they don't attend than to the church they do attend, at least in Texas and the Dallas Fort Worth area. And they're more, you know, we only get to see each other when we go to church. We don't have time during the week because we live 40, 50, 60 miles apart from one another. How do we get the community of the church back? I think we need to preach on the community aspect more. That has been a passion in my heart for quite a while. And and that's why I felt with the subject I was dealing with tonight, I could not not talk about the need and the biblical example of community. I think we need to preach it more so people understand it's there. And if, if they don't sense it, then they're missing something they need to look for and cultivate in their lives. You, you know, a, Bert, I know, Mike, it's your, it's your time, but I, I'm going to take a minute. If <laughs> uh, I'll give it sure, back to you. Later. You know, Brother Joe, I think, amen to what you just said about preaching, uh, what the Bible teaches about the community of the church. But I think you also really answered the question in your message uh, You've got the man in the pulpit. You've got the member in the pew. Scripture alone. Scripture yeah. alone. Scripture alone. When when we diminish Scripture in our lives, when we do that independently, one of another, uh, we the slide starts. The slide begins. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. If there's a if there is a single answer, I believe relative to this topic and probably many others, if we will some way get back to the authority of Scripture in our lives, hey, there it is. A lot of these things would be corrected. Uh, I I counseled just very quickly. I counseled a couple where they were going to get they were getting married. Um, Neither of them really churchgoers, we'll say. Good people, God-loving people, but not really churchgoers. They wanted me to conduct their marriage ceremony. The first thing I asked them was about the authority of Scripture. And if they wanted me to be the person to you know, do the ceremony, uh, we, they, they had to agree that Scripture alone was the authority by which they were going to have as a foundation for their marriage. Amen. And, you know, they agreed. And then we had a wonderful time of session. What have you, they're doing great. Um, I don't know that they're going to church necessarily anywhere, but they really showed me in in dialogue that that was a priority for, for them. Isn't that really at the core of the matter? Yeah. And you nailed it in your sermon. I mean, that's what you said. So, sorry, Mike, you can have your time back now. That's okay, Jerry. I'll just do that to you. I love you. You mean, no, I'm just, I'm still behind. Oh, that's true. (laughs) You're always behind. Keep that in mind. You're always behind. 
you know, when I was a kid, a little, little uh, frivolity here. When I was a kid and I'd hear the preachers preach about Philip and the eunuch, the only idea I had of a chariot was from watching Ben-Hur. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yes. One guy holding the reins and, you know, going lickety split. So my little brain is thinking, <clears throat> the Phil Philip, the angel told Philip to join himself to this chariot. And I'm thinking, how could he have done that if the chariot was going about 50 miles, like 50 miles per hour? And he's reading the, the scripture. Of course, I'm thinking it's a book. It's not. It's a scroll. I mean, back in those days, it was a scroll. And I'm thinking he's reading his Bible. He's got his hands on the rain and he's going. And here comes a weird looking something coming and says, understand, is that what thou readest? I had some of the details wrong. I, I late. I'm happy to tell you, I think I got a better view of what's going on. <clears throat> but you know what hasn't changed? The otherworldliness of that encounter. Yeah. The weirdness, may I say, of that encounter. Wow. Imagine if that would happen today. Yes. You're, you're at a rest area <laughs> of a major interstate. <laughs> Some dusty guy comes by and he sees you. You're having to read in the Bible. That's strange enough as it is. And then he comes by and he says, "Do you understand what you read there, my friend?" And you're going. <clears throat> you're calling nine one one, probably. I'm guessing. <laughs> you know, you're probably doing something like that. It's just amazing. Yeah. And even when I think about Joe, he the eunuch went to Jerusalem for to worship. Yes. Yes. But he didn't find what he was looking for in Jerusalem. And how far did he go to get to Jerusalem? A long ways. How far was Ethiopia? I, it was below Egypt. So it was, it was a, of Egypt. It was a long ways. Yeah. He, he was either a Jew or a proselyte. Anyway, he was. Uh, I'm sure he was. He'd gone up there for to worship. But the fact that he was reading Isaiah 53 tells me he didn't find what he was looking for. Amen. Amen. So the, the, the guy that Isaiah 53 is about sent him down there to talk to that Ethiopian eunuch. <clears throat> and then he found what he was looking for. He found an answer of a good conscience, didn't he? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. First century Jews were occupied and controlled by the Romans. They, partly because of that status, they didn't want to hear about a suffering Messiah. They understood the clock of the Old Testament prophecy, and they knew the time was was right. It was it was there. They wanted a victorious, warlike, conquering Messiah. They didn't want to hear about a suffering Messiah. They would not have talked to the eunuch about Isaiah 53. That's right. They wanted Isaiah 63 without having to go through Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. <laughs> and the, but he wouldn't worry. He wasn't asking about Isaiah 63. Yeah. He wasn't. No. You've got to see 53 first. But the very thing Jerusalem would not talk about was what he needed to hear. That's Amen. Right. And then when he heard it, he says, "See here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized?" Right. Right. Mm -hmm. He yeah. had a good conscience, didn't he? He had, he had the answer of a good conscience. You know, it's been about uh, 
25 years ago, I was in a group of, of Christian men uh, on a particular evening, and and uh, I had been meeting with them for several weeks and arrived a little early. And there was a man who was there who grew up in Africa, and he was obviously a very devoted Christian. And so there were just a few people in the room, and I said, I'm curious. How, tell me about your Christian experience. How did you first come to have an interest in Jesus and Christianity? And, and he, he was very open. He said, Joe, you Americans don't understand. There was Christianity in Africa. No. there, And that's oh. my roots. So, oh. Yes. Oh. I love that. Oh, he was like well, he was a direct descendant of that eunuch, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or probably the Queen of Sheba. <clears throat> <laughs> but she was that was an exciting over. moment for me. That, that, you know what? That's yeah. a great story. That's a that is story. a good story. How often do we know that the, the Lord? He doesn't wait for the gospel to get there first, does he? He he's yeah. always ahead of the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, what a, what a great message and what a great discussion. Thank you, dear brothers. Thank you, Brother Joe. Thank you. And I'm looking at the big hand is on the 12 and the little hand is on the eight. Joe, you have met your you've done your duty. You have you've met the goal. You passed with flying colors. Thank you. Thank the Lord. That and and a dollar fifty will get you a cup of coffee, maybe at Starbucks. Starbucks. Now he won't even get you a cup of coffee. Thank the Lord for it. Yes, sir. I just want a salmon uh, steak cooked on that cedar plank. Remember that the plank. plank. Yes, on your Barbie. Put enough on the Barbie. (laughs) And that little sauce you put on there. That was Daniel, good stuff. What a day. That was the best. That was a great who, who do we have next week, Daniel? I don't know. But, uh, bro, brother Mark, who do we wait a second? Oh. <laughs> I, I think I have it. I think we have our quickly, very Jerry, own quickly. Mike quickly. Hughes next week. Oh, Mike Hughes. Okay. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> you little old you, brother Mike. And we're looking forward to it. God bless you, brother. Yeah. We are looking forward to me. it. Yeah, he was hoping it was a bye week. Bye week. Should I make shameless plug for Shameless Son? <clears throat> you should. Chamber, Chambers pl- Creek. Go, go, go ahead, Dad. Go ahead, Dad. Yeah. It's coming up this week. Elder Daniel Montgomery will moderate his first ever attempt at moderating. Let's not not just an association, murdery. my first ever, ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's be a moderator, not a murderator. Well, I'm putting all of the minister's names on little ping pong balls and shuffling them to figure out who I want to go. Hey, they they drew lots and they picked Matthias, so there you go. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, so please, if you can, come see us in Farmersville starting Thursday night through Sunday morning. If you need a place to stay, message me here on Facebook or or Brother Scott Jones, either one of us, mostly Brother Scott. He's a lot more helpful than I am. 
Amen to that. Uh, hey, he's the, he's the deacon. Starting on Friday morning, brother. Say what, brother Mike? What time do you start on Friday morning? Friday morning singing will start at ten. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Singing will start at ten on Friday morning. Uh, I got yeah, brother Mike. I got a message from uh, from Will saying y'all are y'all are hopefully coming on out to see us. Good. We're good. Try. You We're are. Good. Yeah, you're coming. Okay. Hey, right. Yes. Yeah. You are preaching at least four of the three services on Friday, <laughs> brother Mike. Okay. All of a sudden, he's decided he's got something else to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, brother Joe, thank you so much for that message. Uh, we, I, it's just a wonderful affirmation to remember the community of the church. Amen. Uh, we spend. We spend so much time, and rightfully so, trying to divide the word of Scripture and understand doctrine and what Christ has done for us. The ultimate consequence of that is understanding who we are to each other within that. May I jump in and just say, I love the distinction you made in the solo scripture and the need for gifts. Uh, No, I don't think anybody commented on that. You just did. You just did. Mm-hmm. Comment, comment. Com- I'm commenting on that, and it was really Thank good. Thank you. Excellent. I wrestled Excellent. with that myself, Dave. So it, it, yeah. it was a resolution for me when it dawned on me that, that well, that's how there smart is no you are. When you really see the scriptural pattern. Amen. Amen. I'm not smart Amen. enough to have known that I needed to wrestle with that until tonight. Why <laughs> do you recognize that about yourself? <clears throat> Come on, you've been telling me for 63 years. Hey. Actually, longer. I'm I'm about a, you know two years older than you. Uh, who's, who's closing the prayer. Uh, believe it or not, Dave has closing prayer. Okay, time to get spiritual real fast. Uh, I need somebody to pray that the Lord forgive me first. We're praying for you. Okay. All right. You bow with. Let's look to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. What a wonderful, wonderful thing we have been blessed by Thy servant. And our dear friend, we thank you, dear Lord, for Brother Joe's willingness to mm-hmm. word. We thank you, dear Lord, that we were here tonight. Lord, I pray that uh, not just uh, tonight would just make us feel good for tonight, but uh, that it would uh, have uh, power to uh, enable us to change for the better mm-hmm. and uh, to do what we have been instructed by thy word through the gift of thy servant, to us, dear Lord, we were like we were like the eunuch there in the desert, and uh, our questions were answered. Now, Lord, let us put these things in effect in our life. Give us that determination. Give us that continued determination, and uh, that uh, may our churches be blessed. Help us, Lord, in this time. We we can't do it alone. We know that, but we need thee so much. And give us, dear Lord, the, the unction of thy spirit, the zeal, and uh, let us know, like like you did, if you could do like you did to Philip. Mm. There he is. Just go to that, go to that unit. Go to that chariot. We'll run to it, Lord. We trust. We'll run to that chariot and do whatever thou hast us to do. We look forward to the meeting this weekend at Farmersville. We pray thy spirit be there as all the meetings that will be occurring. Thank you. We ask in Jesus' name, and amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. 
And with that, everybody say goodbye. Right, Daniel? <laughs> Daniel is <laughs> muted. He is everybody muted. Goodbye. That, that goodbye. Everyone say goodnight. Everyone say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>